Welcome to a very special Pro Football Doc podcast, Sports Injury Central. Very special because a good friend of mine, Mr. Everywhere in Media, <laughs> Pro Bowl player, whole thing, but more importantly, super interesting guy. I've never met anyone quite like Marcellus, and we'll get into that, but welcome to the show, the one and only Marcellus Wiley. My man, Dr. Chow, I know you've been working and grinding. I've seen you everywhere. How you been, brother? Good. Sorry I'm a little late. Came from surgery, but I'd rather do it in the studio than, you know, in scrubs. And my world wardrobe setup isn't as good as yours. I remember visiting you, and you had all these racks, and you had this scientific system of this shirt, this this coat, and this tie, but it was offset. So you just went down the order, and then you would never wear the same thing. You had, like, I don't know what it was, like – eight sport coats, 12 shirts, and, you know, 12, uh, 14 ties, and they were offset. So you just went down the row, and you were always well-dressed. I got one Sports Injury Central shirt. That's all I got. I flipped that on, and we're good to go. We're simpler than you are, big time. Oh, man, don't you even play humble that much, man. Look, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You don't need to worry about clothes, man. You're going inside the arteries, the veins. You're going into central nervous systems. Got to love you, Doc, man. You're still out there plowing through it, doing it big. Working, working, working. So, um, well, let's go. We'll get into some Marcella stuff in a little bit. But I see you, prognosticator, ahead Mm. of everybody on your podcasts and other things. I mean, today was officially Shannon Sharp's last day. Uh, mm. and uh, with Skip Bayless, and you were the one who sort of foreshadowed it, right? And said, Hey, this is coming. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, it's interesting when you first got on here and you said, I've never met someone quite like Marcellus, and I take that as a compliment, but I think society at large should not. Um, I don't think enough people out there are being honest, real, and their unique selves, but when you are. Then you'll walk around saying, I've never met anybody like you, like you, like you, because we're all different, right? Uniquely different and similar. So I I love the fact that I was able to break this down, not be right, but just break it down um, for what it was. Um, I've been in that situation before. Basically, you know, you got a guy like Skip Bayless who you got to respect, man. He's the godfather of sports debate. Um, and Skip Bayless extended out his arm to Shannon Sharp to give him an opportunity. And it's a huge platform, not only the compensation, but just the attention and how people will buy into your brand. You're going against the ultimate villain in Skip Bayless. And now you become a hero immediately just by sitting across from him. And I, I respected what they both were doing. But I also saw the dynamic shifting. And you've seen this just from team sports. Like you come in as a rookie, you're all humble, even though you were just the man in college. Now you got to carry the helmets of the vets and, oh, thank you. I'll buy you the chicken and donuts and do all that (laughs) stuff, right? And that was Shannon for a while. And then Shannon got so popular, he surpassed Skip Bayless in popularity, right? And now it's time to either remix this game plan or treat me differently or both, right? And Skip Bayless, stuck in his way, 71 years old, did not remix the formula, did not call different plays, did not share the rock with Shannon Sharp like he should in building that show. 
I'm talking about the topics. I'm talking about the construction of the show. And then you can see there was that tug of war on air where it was a power struggle. Like Skip wanted to undermine Shannon. He didn't want to fully respect him to flex. Not only can I do this in building the show, but when people think you're bigger than me, let me put you in your place. And once I saw all that, the writing was on the wall, man. No shots at either one of those guys. It's just the way the game goes if you don't want to change and be pliable. No question. And and I like your analogy to team sports. We see it in team sports all the time as, as people come up, you know, like uh, on, on your uh, uh, Chargers team. I mean, Junior was the man, right? And then, uh, you know, here come some other guys. And, you know, Ryan Leaf came in and tried to, you know, steal the mantle, but had to be in his place. And, you know, later on, Sean Merriman tried to come in. Like, there's a there's a hierarchy unspoken. And look, uh, I think it made for great ratings when they clashed but it's not going to last as you as you say and uh respect to uh both of those guys for their success so um are you next are you the next skip bayless uh, <laughs> i think you'd be really good at it i'll tell you why you're super mm. cerebral and intellectual and one of the things i personally don't love i i love the debate the format right and it's controversial yeah. but you always do things in such a, and this is part of your character that's unique, in a happy-go-lucky but very cerebral way. It's hard to, you don't get into arguments with people. People don't get into <laughs> arguments with you. You say your opinion and they say theirs without the animosity. And I think that might be really good for the show, right? Uh, because I don't think people like the animosity. They like the debate. But the animosity is not there, and I've never seen you in person or on air or anywhere. Your your laugh dominates the room, and your smile, right? And uh, but yet you don't pull punches on what you say, including controversial mm -hmm. topics, you know. And I've seen it, you know. Uh, I shy away from those topics because, like, I, I'm just a doctor. I don't look, you know. Uh, you know, uh, you you talked about your daughter and sports and things, and and uh, so many other things, and you yeah. speak your mind, and certainly. I've known you long enough. You're not a right wing. You're not a left wing. You're a Marcellus wing, right? I mean, you're your own guy, and you're not afraid. And I think you'd be great for that show if you wanted to do it. Yeah, it would take some redesign of the model, um, and I don't know if they're up for that, and I don't know if I want to walk into that. Um, I never say never because I do love Skip Bayless as a person, and I, I respect what he's done on air. And I love Fox still, you know, that's still home for me, even though I'm not there. I ran away from home. Uh, but I will say this, um, I'm a different animal than what they typically want in that position. You got to think, Skip Bayless grabbed Stephen A when Stephen A was looking for an opportunity, something stable, um, something he really desired. So he needed that extension from Skip Bayless. He needed that helping hand. Same thing with Shannon. Shannon was coming in that position. I'm not in that position, one. But two, I don't lead with emotions and I don't and I don't finish with emotions. So a lot of what we see in, in that show, especially, is that heated debate. I'm not going to get heated, even though we can get contentious. I'm just not going to lose myself and just fly off the handle just because the Jets are going to win by three. And you said by four. I'm just not going to do that. Right. And so I think that I'm not built ultimately for a debate show i'm built more for a discussion show like we all gonna get ours out we all gonna respect each other but i've seen people who succeed in that role they just go crazy 
And I'm never going to go crazy like that because I'm actually going to respect what you're saying, try to build off what you're saying, but also express what I'm feeling. So just by model, I don't think that I'm built for it. And I'm loving independent space. It's going amazing. So I'd rather just keep betting on me and doing this and don't really have to deal with that battle. And I've had too many co-hosts, man. I got tired of that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you certainly bet on yourself all your life here. Okay. You just left a great gig at Fox. And prior to Fox, you had a great gig at ESPN, obviously NFL. And and I think some people know this. I, I mean, you went from inner city Compton to go to an Ivy League school. That's, I mean, nobody does that, right? I mean, you, you, Columbia is not exactly a football powerhouse, no, no offense. And, and even in the Ivy League, they weren't a powerhouse. Hey, yeah. hey, Doc, no, no offense and no defense either. <laughs> we were not that good. <laughs> so, yeah, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, at, at least my uh, Harvard Crimson would win some games with their two quarterback system and the craziness, right? I mean, Columbia, yeah. I remember, I remember a lot of offers. And uh, yep. uh, and yep. powder blue, but that obviously was a huge leap where you bet on yourself, right? I mean, to yeah. get outside of that box. I mean, you typically you would go to a powerhouse school, football school, right, and uh, go that route. But you still made the NFL going that route, and so you bet on yourself a lot throughout your life. Yeah, totally, man. I, I, I'm glad I have that attribute, whatever it is. Um, it's not a gunslinger mentality because it's really through confidence that comes from preparation and knowing what my options are. And uh, I'm kind of a guy that looks at a situation and I don't look at it idealistically. I look at it realistically. So uh, I'm always kind of looking at the consequences. The best way to show it is basically a lot of people look at their life like the 100 meters and they just like, oh, man, I'm about to just take off and nothing but smooth sailing in front of me, and I'm going to make it happen. And I'm more of the 110 hurdles. Like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to take off, but it's going to be that in the way, that's going to be in the way. I'm going to have to not hop over all those things, but learn to run through it with form and just deal with the adversity that comes with any obstacle, with any endeavor. So, yeah, going from Compton to Columbia, it was just simple for me. Everyone thought it was such an amazing decision And I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to get the best of both worlds. I'm going to play college football. It doesn't have to be major because Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, et cetera, went to small schools and still got drafted. So I'm going to New York City. Their local newspaper is the New York Times. So anything I do, I got worldwide distribution. I am going to an Ivy League school, which gives me the highest safety net in academic reputation. And I still get to play football. And I may still go pro. So for me, maybe I was dumb to the situation. I thought it was a no-brainer. And everyone else was like, you're not going to those football schools? There goes your opportunity NFL. And it all came to life. Well, it turns out you're the most famous sports person to come out of Columbia, huh? No. No, don't do that. As much as I want to do, I want to say yes. Uh, Lou Gehrig. Uh, Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Sid, Sid Luckman uh and yeah famous yeah we had a, a hog from the washington redskins in the 80s super bowl champions but yeah i'm in the top five but i'm not number one uh, above or below ian rapaport oh hell yeah i mean he may report, <laughs> on, he may report that he is more popular but no i got ian. <laughs> oh some, some good fun some good fun there for for the lions there uh <laughs> 
the other thing that I mean, we talked about this privately before. And I think it the reason why I've always said this about head coaches, people have said, you know, what plays better, a a player's coach or a hard ass coach or whatever. And I've always said it's about being authentic. And being authentic plays through. I remember Mike Riley, he was a nice guy, player's coach. People loved him. Uh, Marty was more hard-ass. People loved him. You got to be yourself, though. And I won't name names, but I've been through some coaches who took the job and perhaps weren't themselves to start with, Mm. right? And Mm, you're around each other so often, it's hard to fake it all the time. And then people lose respect for you. And one thing that I see in your life and career, and you've done it in me, media unbelievably so is you just let yourself shine through and i want to tell everyone this little vignette look junior right we all think the world of junior and the whole deal he was someone who i thought really knew to how to handle his celebrity there isn't anyone that i've ever talked to who hasn't met junior for 15 seconds who decades later will say he was the greatest guy ever he just had that gift of making everyone in the room feel special, right? Yeah. And I think we yeah. can all uh, agree to that. I hate that his legacy is not that versus some of the other things. But I never thought I would see someone handle public and other things better than Junior. And you could say better or you could say different. I mean, Junior, anytime a kid or somebody came up to him, he looked in the eye, made him feel so special before he, you know, understandably had to move on. The thing about you, I remember walking through places with you at, uh, you know, across Staples Center and ESPN headquarters there, and we'd be going somewhere, and you'd stop little kids on the sidewalk who weren't stopping (laughs) you to high five them and engage them and whatever. And I'm not sure they fully always knew who you were. They just knew you were some big guy. You had to maybe be some athlete, but you would go out of your way to engage people and kids. And Mm. that's something I've like, not it's one thing the guy has a pen or he's got his camera out, you know, they're looking for you. Then you stop. Of course. I mean, these kids were walking along with mom and dad minding their own business (laughs) and you go, Hey, big fella. And you'd like get down with them and and chat with them. That is something that makes you uniquely special. I think, and your personality really shines through even when the cameras aren't on, which I think it makes it easy for you to shine through when the cameras are on. Man, that feels good to hear, man. Like, you know, to be alive, as they say, and hear your obituary, that's pretty good. And, you know, you just gave me a good <laughs> good, good eulogy right there, man. That felt great. No, seriously, Doc, Um, I really love people. And I know that can sound cliche, but I really love people, especially people that are different. Like, I, I know myself and I know my those that like me. And it's like I want to continue to learn, continue to grow. So I challenge myself to always test those borders. And... Yeah, like, why am I now? This is the weirdest thing to me, and I, and I had to think through it. Uh, when I was younger, I was like, okay, so I made it to the league, and now I'm this so-called athlete or celebrity, and now I'm supposed to be a prisoner of that success? I'm supposed to shy away from people or get overwhelmed when I'm out and got to sign another autograph or get perturbed because everyone wants to talk to me. I'm like, that's the greatest joy and the greatest achievement there is, like, You don't have to attempt to stand out. Look, people have mohawks, 
blue hair, 19 piercings, just so they could break the ice of people knowing that they exist, that they have a voice, that they're seen. And I'm like, I just go anywhere and people largely want to speak to me. Why does that always have to have me on the defense? Why can't I sometimes just want to speak to people? So it's funny you bring up Junior. And the only thing I will say on top of everything you said, which was so eloquent, is that Junior made everybody feel great. And there's something about me that I don't make everyone feel great, even though that's my effort and attempt. Sometimes I will say something. You'd be like, I disagree. I don't like that. And I'm still going to be your friend. I'm still going to be nice to you. I am not going to look down on you. I'm not going to disrespect you in disagreement. And the thing about Junior that I wish he had a little dose of was it's okay, Junior, to not let everybody feel like they did everything right and amazing. Like sometimes say, nah, I'm tired. Nah, I don't want to do that. And it's still okay. We still love you, Junior. You know he bought us food at his restaurant and would bring mama's chicken Every single day, every single week, we're like, sooner or later, we got to take care of ourselves, Junior. If it were my restaurant, I would have made y'all pay sometimes, but not Junior. I wish he had a little dose of that. You're right about that. I mean, everyone was always tugging at Superman's cape, and we're not trying to be overly serious here. But I remember going into Junior's restaurant, and of course, I was friends with the GM and manager, and he'd say, oh, uh, Junior's got this. I'm like, Junior ain't even here. And and he goes, no, no, Junior's got this. And I'm like... uh, and I finally, then when I would go there, and a lot of times, and without Junior, I'd go there, I'd go in and talk to the general manager and say, if you tell Junior that I'm here, I'm not coming back anymore. Do not pick up the tab. You know, yes. I'm just not going to come back anymore. But that's just the, the kind of guy that, that he was. Oh, I forgot yes. one thing about your Ivy Lee days. Mm. I'm going to signal to my producer, Jacob, here. Seeing this. What position Uh-oh. do you think he played? at Columbia. I'll give you choices. <laughs> O-line, D-line, linebacker, quarterback, running back. Linebacker. Running back. <laughs> running back. Yes, I mean, yes. I remember one time you picked up, I didn't know that, you picked up a fumble and you were like crazy legs Hirsch with a big long stride running down the I still remember it was down the far sideline left sideline legs iron going I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere you can google it and I'm like dude how did you learn to run the ball like that he said Columbia I said what I was like can you imagine Ivy Leagues to have this guy running down at you I mean that is crazy yeah even crazier is I was a kick returner and running back so literally you know to start the game I'm in the back back by the goal line, catching the ball, taking off and everything, Doc. One MVP my freshman year. And you know on that play you're talking about, it was against Arizona. And I think it was Jake Plummer through or interception, tipped interception, something like that. And guess who missed the block? I got tackled on like the two-yard line. Junior. <laughs> Junior, the one that missed the block. No, 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 I- no. Yeah, look, we all know Buddy. Okay. Let me tell you, Buddy didn't mi- miss the block. What was Buddy doing? Lateral, lateral, lateral. I got you, lateral. <laughs> he didn't miss the block. He was like yelling for the lateral, right? I mean, come on. Let's be yeah. serious there. <laughs> so real. He wanted to shine. You knew that. <laughs> and he figured you're so big running the ball, you can make that make that yourself there. He figured you got this one, bud. If you ask Junior, though, he's so good with words, he would say, buddy, I just wasn't trying to get in your highlight reel. 
<laughs> that's what exactly. he would say. He could always spin something, right? He'd say, buddy, that's your highlight reel. I wasn't trying to mess it up and get in there. I figured you were good, you know? Uh, <laughs> but secretly, he was lateral, lateral. Come on. You, know, he, you already know. That's that's what he uh, wanted to, to, to do there. But so another thing now that you say this, since you return kicks and running back, so you're the, uh, in some ways, you're the anti-Rudy. Rudy was this little dude who got into games. Rudy, uh, and and I remember uh, 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 what's it? Wes Welker when he was with mm. Junior in Miami. Junior nicknamed him Rudy because he caught a touchdown pass. He made the extra point because the kicker was hurt. He kicked off and he went down and made the tackle in four straight <laughs> plays. So here's this little guy who's an overachiever, right? So you're the anti-Rudy. You're this huge guy. They, they got to – I mean, they had to go swim kick, right, or just kick it out of bounds, right? I mean, come on. They weren't trying to kick it to you. You know, it's crazy. Like, I hear some of the guys that I played against, and a couple guys went pro in baseball that played football or things of that nature or just people who watched our games, and they make me sound much better as a player than I felt. Like – you know, when you go to the Ivy Leagues, and I had big school opportunities, so I was a big fish in a little pond, I was thinking it was going to be easier than it was. But football is the ultimate team sport, so there was no grabbing one guy by the neck and throwing him in the stands. None of that happened. Like, it was a lot of double teams, a lot of triple teams. My senior year, I had every scout in the country coming out, every single NFL team at every single practice, and you know how many sacks I had in that year and that we played 10 games? I had six sacks. So by the numbers, I'm like, I'm not going pro. If I can only get six sacks in the Ivy League, how in the hell can I go pro? But every scout told me, dude, you don't know how much attention you're getting. You're getting quadruple teamed on every play. So I just had the measurables. I was raw at the position. And I really love the play, man. And so you keep running back speed. And then you're 280 pounds. Uh, a lot of people are gonna take notice. No, uh, absolutely. And then uh, you know, always breaking barriers. You know, so so you were uh, you came to San Diego, the Chargers, as a big time free agent. And very few people know this. You actually hurt your foot, and yes, still recovered from your foot. You, I know you weren't 100. percent You were telling me, "Good job, Doc. I'm fine." You were not 100, <laughs> percent but you made the Pro Bowl that year, right? I mean, uh, uh, coming off that foot, and it was a Jones fracture. I mean, people don't do that now uh, nowadays. You just worked your way around it, and and then, uh, of course, then you made me look good. But I knew it was you, <laughs> you know, uh, making it work with all those sacks. No, man, you did it, Doc. You put that that pin. Well, I got a, a screw in there. Or a yeah, a different there? kind of screw. Yeah, then we got you out of the boot quickly. And you, you really it was right at the end of training camp, right, right in the in, end of preseason. And I yeah. think you played at the time it was sixteen games, but fourteen games that year or something like that. Made a pretty quick recovery. Got enough sacks, uh, well into double, double digits too to go to Hawaii, uh, et cetera, there. So uh, yeah, kudos to no you. no practice. No practice that whole year. I remember, which I guess that was the, the silver lining other than playing well and making the Pro Bowl. Um, it, it's a bet that I took then that now, you know, 48-year-old me looking at the game differently, I wish I didn't, but I did at the moment, man, because I, I was never healthy in my prime. 
that was the year we I broke my foot before the first game. And then I played 14 games, 13 sacks with one foot, no practice. Next year, I'm playing even better. And then I tore my abdominal wall. And that was against Tom Brady and those guys. It was like our third, fourth game. I already had like four or five sacks. I was like, damn it. So I wasn't healthy that year. Then the next year, I have a shoulder. I remember you used to come in there with yeah, – I used to have this long needle. Like, yo, I had AC joint and all this. I had labrum and rotator cuff. Like, just I never was healthy. So it's weird. Like, I look back at my career, and there's a part of me that just sits there almost like a, a regret. And it's not like a negative feeling. It's almost like I wish it would have went a different way. Uh, but it went the way it went. So now I just look at the game differently. And I look at my son, who's a monster right now. I'm I like, see the videos. Yo, he he a whole lot. <laughs> yo, he way better than me already. And I'm like, okay, it's a marathon. We'll see what you become with this. But I'm here for you in support. But what I went through, uh, I will be smarter in terms of advice giving him going forward and making sure he's at his best when he's on that field. Are you going to steer him to Columbia or Ivy League? You know what's so crazy? I'll tell you this, Doc. No one else knows this but my family. So my daughter just graduated from grad school at Columbia a month ago. So my son and I, we are the only ones that went out. And he goes around. He's like, Dad, I want to see the campus and see the gym and stuff. Oh, cool. And literally. And see the statue. And see the statue. Exactly. And, I mean, he's (laughs) seven years old. And he's like, dang, Daddy, this is amazing. And he ran down the stairs, ran into the gym, basketball gym. He looks like a little ant out there in the middle of the center court and says, I love Columbia. Runs up the stairs and says, Dad, I'm going to go to school here. And I say, oh, hold your horses. <laughs> you got a long journey in front of you. I don't want to put that pressure on him. No, that's uh, that's uh, that's pretty uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That 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 little dude, not so little anymore. That's for sure. Not at all, man. He's a little man out there, beasting too. Have, he had five touchdowns in our championship game that we won thirty to zero. No, wow. no extra points. Yeah, even an interception, <laughs> a, a pick six. This dude had four rushing touchdowns does, and a pick six. Does he run with yeah. crazy legs, like you? No, you know my wife corrected that. Her DNA has corrected that. She's oh a yeah, of course. Me. Yeah. How is Anne Marie? Yeah. I still we still talk about your wedding. I mean, it's like it was yesterday. It was pretty fun down down across mm-hmm. the border there. Yeah, she's doing amazing. Um, if you go, I can't say it out my mouth, but if you Google her name, you'll see what she has on the horizon and Doc. Um. Let's just say she's going to be way more famous than I ever tried to be. <laughs> it's going to be crazy, man. Well, since you can't say it, we'll, uh, I'll the producer Google it, and we'll po- post it up here. <laughs> <laughs> we can Life fix- is different around here. It's, we, it's crazy. We, we, could, we could fix things like that. So uh, football, football, what do you think about this coming season? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to do it. Free flow. What, what do you got? Well, you're so good at looking at people and understanding people and situations as everyone can see. What do you see on the horizon here? What are the top things that might surprise people that you're seeing just reading between the lines? Yeah, let me start with the boring, the obvious, that Kansas City's still going to be there, man. Andy Reid doesn't need much to make an offense go, and he has a lot. He always has Patrick Mahomes, so they're still going to be in the mix. 
Um, I, I'm looking forward to the Chargers getting over the hump. Um, I'm not trying to do that for the hometown love, but if they can fix their running game between the 20s, um, Justin Herbert recovering from the shoulder surgery. Justin Herbert's a monster to me. He's a top five quarterback in terms of production and talent. Just needs to get over the hump in terms of the playoff woes. Uh, they're going to be a squad. Uh, Aaron Rodgers just in a different mental place, uh, different different state in terms of his mentality. I think that's going to do well in New York because they got a lot of talent, man. So to your point, I think that they're going to be good. Um, if you look at it in, in totality, I think that what's going to happen is teams that we thought were really close, it always goes either you stay there or you fall off because you're tired of hitting your head on the wall. That's what typically happens. So let's look for teams. How can we say it? A Minnesota, uh, a team like uh, Jacksonville's on the rise, um, teams like Dallas. Like, I don't see them getting over that hump, man. You know, Tennessee. I think Tennessee. Like, you all of a sudden, all right, enough's enough. Like, if we don't, you know, but I see Baltimore getting better, and I see Tennessee, Dallas, Minnesota, teams like that just kind of tapping out, maybe taking a step backwards just because they're tired of hitting their head on the wall. How about your old Bills? Woo! They're at that point. This is the year where if the Buffalo Bills don't at least get to the Super Bowl, they're always going to be in contention because Josh Allen is a man. He is a monster. But it's going to get fatigued, man. What happens is, one, the team gets broken up because you're so close. You have so many good players that those players now want to try it elsewhere. They want to see what their plan B looks like. So then you have less around Josh Allen. It's already happened with the coaching ranks. We saw that with Brian Debo. They took him to the Giants. Now the Giants look better. It's going to start happening on the field between the white lines as well. So they need to get there. And they were there two years ago. Goodness, that game where they were winning at 13 seconds against the Chiefs, I have never been hyper as a fan watching a football game. My son and I running in circles. Buffalo going to make it. They going to make it. And the collapse of the century, bro. Well, uh, I, I actually was at that game with my son. He's a wow. he's a Chiefs fan. He's a Mahomes fan, right? I mean, wow. what 10-year-old kid isn't, right? And so right, right. we went out there and I went to the game with uh, Mike Cyphers, who was living out there at the time, and his son. And uh, we went. To, we were at that game. That was a That, that one's hard to, hard to top there. Yeah, it's hard to digest that if you're on that team. And that's why I think uh, time is a ticking. Time's running out. If you don't get there sooner or later, you stop believing the same in those speeches. You stop believing the same and bring it up. This is our year. You're like, yeah, all right, dog. <laughs> but but, but the other thing I think happens is because a team's been there for a long time, <laughs> tell me what you think about this. They become the hunted as opposed to the hunter. And yeah. there's part of it – in of that and this is when i knew it was time for me to move on from the nfl and so forth instead of enjoying the off season and every moment and taking care of every guy there was part of me that was like oh we're not going to the super bowl this year let's reset right but you can't play the game and i didn't play the game but it's a long 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 season if you're just waiting for that conference championship game to get to the Super Bowl. You've got to win yeah. all the other ones and keep stacking yeah. wins and enjoy what you're doing and play hard. You know, I think there's a tendency for these 
for teams like, well, we did it before, so we're going to get there again. And then do you not get there? Because you're looking past people and people are looking at you as trying to climb the mountain on you. And it's hard to get there. It's hard to get there every year. If all your focus is on when you're close, getting over the hump, your focus isn't on getting to where you're close, right? And yeah, I think it's hard. Yeah. It is very hard, man. You nailed it. Um, a lot of times you you want to start at square two, not square one, you know? And that's the thing about it. That's why guys retire. You're like, why would he retire? He's making $30 million. He's still really good. Why would he quit? You know what makes him retire? He knows he has to go back to square one if he's really committed to the game. Now, you can rob the game. You can try and play games with the game. And then what happens? Exactly what you just said. Oh, man, you start coming up short because you didn't go back to square one. So if you skip square one, just thinking, I got this, the process will eat you up and it's not enjoyable. Then you will have losses. Then you will have injuries. Then you will have other guys doing better than you because they didn't skip that step. And then you'll look up and be like, my best days are behind me or our team's success is behind us. And then you don't look forward to things. And then once you start losing that joy of something so demanding as football, like it hurts everybody. Football is built for pain. And if you don't want to embrace that process, you're going to tap out and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it eats its own. And sooner or later, either you become victorious and continue to feed off of that, or you tap like in UFC and you move on. All right. So uh, what's next for you? What are you going to do? And part two is when's your next uh, DJ session and do I get invited? <laughs> Man, I feel bad saying this. This is bad timing, but you my guy. I never lie. Um, I just DJ and hosted the Chargers golf tournament and uh i didn't see you there so that wasn't on me in the invite uh i wasn't in charge of the guest list but i should have hit you dj's got plus five come on (laughs) (laughs) for real for real and i was saying four a whole lot so yeah man it was fun being out there golfing with the guys and i got to see justin herbert finally it was the first time we met like hand to hand hug what's up dog he knows how much i love that dude and always call him Herbie, Herbie, everywhere I go, even on the air. I just love his talent. And um, it was a weird moment. Like I saw him and I just ran up to him like a kid, like fan man, like dog, Justin Herbert, finally phone out, ready for the picture. And guess what he said, doc? (laughs) He literally, he literally made me feel as good as he made me feel. He said, dude, I love you. I grew up watching you on sports nation. And then it kind of clicked. I like, I am talking to a 24 year old when I was on this silly show that everyone loved. And he's like, dude, the jokes and the clowning, all that. And like, we really had like this mutual respect because I'm like twice his age. It's crazy. So uh, I'm still DJing, I'm still hosting, I'm still doing my two shows. So I got more to it podcasts, Dan Patrick Network, iHeart. I have never shut up on Brinks TV, Reese TV, my daily show. Both are doing amazing, man. I'm growing every single second. So I'm loving that, loving the independence and really putting all my focus also on my foundation, Project Transition. So we really go out there and support the community, individuals uh, by reinforcing our five pillars. And I got to tell you, it's family, education, economic empowerment, sports, 
and experiences. Basically, Doc, you said that I always bet on myself and I've come out a winner. And I had to find what those ingredients were. And those are the five pillars of what I am, what I stand for, what made me. And I'm trying to reinforce that in the community at large, especially with the underserved and underprivileged. Let those kids know, hey, if I did it, you can do it. So let's do it together. Well, that's really pretty cool. So uh, I know it made you happy that Justin Herbert knew who you were and loved Sports Nation, but did it make you feel old that he probably doesn't realize your playing days and what you did? Yo, he probably like, oh, man, they got the dude from Sports Nation out here to DJ and, and golf with us. And not knowing that I'm a former Charger yeah. and not knowing I'm a Charger legend, as they call us when we show up. So it's all good. I'm in the front <laughs> row at SoFi. I got season tickets. That is like one of my proudest moments to not ask Dean Spanos, the owner, for a discount, for a hookup, uh, not go through marketing and all that. Just literally go up to the facility, go on the tour, pick out my eight seats and say, that's going to be in my family's legacy forever. Because literally, Doc, this is my last story. I got to tell you this one. Yeah. You know where SoFi is, is in Inglewood. Right. And when I was eight yes. years old, right there, I I played football right there at Darby Park, which overlooked the footprint, which is now SoFi Stadium. So I was an eight-year-old little beast, used to sit there and look at the horses run on the Hollywood racetrack with all my teammates, and we used to just bet on the horses with no money because we were broke. But we just used to sit there at practice and talk about that. And then you fast forward. Not only do I play for the Chargers, but then you fast forward. The Chargers are right there where football started for me, and I'm a season ticket holder of my former team. Man, that that warms my heart, brother. Yeah, but, you know, my money may be green and yours is green, but my guess is if I signed up for season tickets, they wouldn't offer me the same front row <laughs> that they offer you. <laughs> Hey, I did work a package out. I worked a package out, Doc. And, 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 and the bar is right under me, too. And, and, and this is, and, and my family knows, and, and, and uh, I still root for the Chargers, okay? So it's like, you know, uh, I still know lots of guys. So this was not a shot at the Chargers or Dean or anything. It's just, you know, the, the rankings in life. There's Marcellus and there was a, <laughs> there's a former team physician. You know, it's, it's not quite the same. So the final word here is you're busy with life. You're no longer a rookie on a rookie wage scale. And if Undisputed and, and, and Skip Bayless and company want you back, they got to throw some free agent money at you and and yeah, and, and yeah. change the structure of the offense or defense a little bit, and then maybe you'll answer their call. Yeah, that will be good, man. Look, change the kickoff time, first of all. They wake up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm like, good Lord, to do what? To let Skip yell at me? We're going to talk about the Cowboys and then the Cowboys and then the Cowboys and then LeBron. I'm like, look, bro, it's 3.30 in the morning. I can stay in bed for that. I can do that in my sleep. <laughs> but, um, no, nah, I got a healthy respect for what well, you they could, do. If they you could, call, you could roll straight from the DJ gig to, to, to in the studio. <laughs> my poor family, my poor kids. They'd be like, damn, Daddy, what happened to you? I, I liked it better when you were working in your locker room, in your basement, <laughs> at the home. No traffic here. That's why I love it doing this. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Marcellus, my man. Appreciate you as always. So glad for your success and your family and the whole deal. Uh, you've made it happen. You've got it all and uh, are a role model for kids and your 
charity stuff is awesome as well. Thank you for joining us. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back with the rest of the boring part of the Sports Injury Central injury <laughs> rundown stuff. Mini camps here, so there's lots of new discoveries of injuries and surgeries. I mean, they happened a while ago, but nobody talked about it. So uh, let's uh, go through some of that after a quick break. And thanks for joining us, that dude. I'm old enough to think Sports Center was was uh, special. You guys probably don't even know what Sports Center is. Uh, my one fanboy moment through ESPN and X Games, uh, there was a, a B3 event, a smaller X Games event, and it was in outside of Bristol near Connecticut. And the head PR guy that does ESPN for X Games said, "Anyone want to go tour Bristol?" I was like, "Sure, I'd love to." And uh, I have lost a picture. I don't know. It wasn't cell phone camera days, but uh, I got to take a picture of sitting on the set of Sports Center. And I thought that because every morning That's waking cool. up, I was like, Very turn cool. it on, get yeah, dressed, yeah. it's in the background, shower, do whatever. Sports Center was always in the background. And now that's apparently that's a format that people don't love anymore, Sports Center. That used to be the bellwether for yeah, now. Well, yeah, everyone gets their news from the phone now. So, yeah. Well, it's like more entertainment based too. It's weird. It's not like I'd rather like the highlights and just like hearing the news and stuff. Now it's just like they have like Billy Crystal on every other week. And I don't really know what that means for sports. Yeah. And and no more Neil Everett. He just uh, retired and moved on. And Neil's been great. Yeah. He's helped us out with podcasts and other things. And uh, he's moved on. That's a whole different world. Just like I'm quite sure Justin Herbert was being complimentary and it was Sports Nation. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, he was a player. He didn't grow up watching any Marcellus Wiley game. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I don't think he did. Yeah, uh, that, that's why. Same with you guys. I make a movie reference, and you sometimes like stare. And yeah, we're like, good at movies. Movie. So <laughs> I made my I made yeah. my stripes and Animal House references, and you guys give me a yeah. blank stare. You guys, don't Animal know. House, that was good. Stripes, I remember not knowing. So no, I remember. <laughs> uh anyways all right part two we actually got a lot of news let's hit it uh let's let's do the rundown where do you want to go jacob well uh want to talk ravens but we'll start with a former raven chuck clark uh looking like not trending in a positive direction for the new uh new strong safety for the jets they're fearing a torn acl um obviously no video there's it's mini camp so there's not uh not much available but hopefully he can avoid the worst here here's the thing Reporters are good at what they do. And as we've said many times before, you don't need an MRI to confirm the ACL. Right. They already know. They're just hoping against hope. And uh, that's really unfortunate. Unfortunate there. But let me tell you, statistically, and we used to always have, you know, on occasion be a charger injury. I'd, I'd show up to mini camp. At the, I showed up at the end of practice because I have my own you know, practice and patients uh, show up with 10, 15 minutes to go and practice. And you could just see the mood like, okay, there's someone waiting for you. Like people are down and, you know, we had our share of Achilles and ACL and whatever uh, in uh, mini camps. And there are a lot of, it's about going high speed. It's not about contact. Uh, And uh, when you're going high speed, that's where the ACLs and Achilles and whatever happen. And, statistically in my time and i as you know i'm not a statistician 50 percent of teams will suffer a season ending injury to somebody in minicamp or whatever and you say well why do you do it well i mean not every team it happens to but statistically it's half and 
you just hope it's not on your key guy, right? And uh, here's this new guy, and that's it's really unfortunate. So if we could get to the regular season without losing somebody, we'd be thrilled. And then once the regular season starts, you understand if there's okay now it's 17 games, 17 game season. Mm-hmm. And, and how many people are end up on now there's IR where you can come back. And right. so it's a little different, but back in the day it was one way IR and how, what, what do you think the average of a team for players on IR are three or four? No, the average for a season, oh, for a season. Yeah. is about 10, yeah, yeah. sometimes wow. 12. So I used to set, tell ownership and, and GM, look, these are the stats every week that we play a game without a season-ending injury is a good week. I mean, we're above the median of what we should be getting. I mean, that's just the way that it goes. And then, of course, you know, um, now it's a little different with the coming off of IL and the uh, et cetera and return, et cetera. But still, I mean, it almost puts makes it easier to put guys on IL. So it's almost more now because mm-hmm. they can have the possibility of – coming back but unfortunate uh the they're not going to be the only team i I saw another report someone tore an acl somewhere um it just you just have to hope that it doesn't happen to you and if it does that it's a it's at a spot you have depth that's that's all you can hope for yeah i was talking to taylor earlier about it for our preseason preview we're we're diving into the depth charts and and seeing where who's recovering off of injuries and then obviously injuries happen in the the mini camps and preseason so we're, we're tracking all that we'll have that on the website about mid-july i think we're aiming for so yeah well ahead of any features props fantasy drafts etc best balls you know whatever and remember it's not just about the health of a running back it's about the health of the offensive line right Uh, as well uh etc and and defenses health of defenses for teams i know we did pretty well on the futures prop as a as a result of it and it was looking at injuries that made us say Vikings over Green Bay Packers last year. And that was one of our bigger uh, calls, I would say, coming into the season. They didn't um, have much depth at that position. That's why they signed um, Adrian Amos like the day after this news happened. I remember seeing it was um, all the journalists didn't say ACL yet, but they said serious knee injury. And when you see serious knee injury, it leads up to like something like ACL or something. Right I'm there. surprised they even let out serious knee injury. Usually yeah. what happens is they agree to sign the next guy and then the information yes, comes out. Exactly. Uh, I remember one time uh, our, our, our GM was telling me, uh, well, I, this is public knowledge, so I don't need to, to, to hide HIPAA, HIPAA. And we'll talk about HIPAA <laughs> in a second anyways. Yeah. But, he goes, I go, yeah, he tore his ACL. How can you be sure? Well, it's based on exam. I mean, we'll get the MRI, but he tore his ACL. Okay, okay, I'm working on a deal. I'm working on a trade or a signing. Don't tell anybody. And this was immediately after the game. And I said, well, I'm not telling anybody, but the locker room is about to open. If you don't right. want the news to get out, I've already told the player. Yeah. You got to tell him to be quiet if you don't <laughs> want the news to get out, right? And uh, we did that in we actually traded or acquired Daryl Boston that year. Oh, wow. Uh, um, anyways, that was the, the guy that they were trying to get. Uh, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. <laughs> um, anyways, um, HIPAA. I saw an interesting comment. We're su- jumping sports here. Right. Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker, apparently. Related to the Jordan Alvarez oblique pool. They're, they're saying he didn't know if he had an MRI because he it's, it was HIPAA and he has to – he. Pointing the reporter to talk to the athletic trainer 
to see if he got an MRI on the injury. <laughs> and of course, the reporter said, uh, I forget the reporter, he's a reasonable guy, uh, said, yeah, but they don't make the trainer available. Yeah. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. Teams are entitled to not say. Right. But it's not because of HIPAA. HIPAA applies to medical professionals and related entities, related entities like insurance companies and things like that. Uh, first of all, as part of the CBA, there's exceptions anyways. But if anyone was HIPAA related, it would be the medical professional athletic trainer, not the manager or coach, Dusty Baker. And the fact that he even acknowledged that there's an injury and acknowledged the possibility of an MRI is technically a HIPAA violation if yeah. it was HIPAA. You can't <laughs> even acknowledge anything related to it. For example, for those of you who go to a doctor's waiting room, when they call you in, what do they say? They don't say Cisneros. They say right. Jacob, right. Jacob S. Yep. Right? And that's they say Taylor B. They don't say last names ever in a waiting room. Even yeah. if it's a dentist office, they don't yeah. do that. Your whole government uh, name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so, uh, look, uh, I'm not hating on Dusty Baker, uh, like Dusty Baker. He just doesn't want to say. The Astros just don't want to say, right. which is their prerogative. But it's right. not because of HIPAA. So all. college football, when they do undisclosed, that's not HIPAA. It's just because there's no CBA, right? That well, there's nothing forcing them to say. Well, let's put it this way. I think the reason why colleges do that is if you're calling your athlete a student athlete, would they ever comment on another student's injury? No. Be it yeah. from falling down the stairs or a bar fight. Right. No, they wouldn't. So maybe the university is being academically pure. There's also a side benefit that yeah. they don't want to talk about <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's just, uh, it's just funny. There's like, we're going to treat this student like a student, but this guy's also bringing in millions of dollars for us through the football program. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, these words, right? Yeah. yeah. We're going to treat this student as a student, but when he's involved in something questionable, that Joe, <laughs> Joe Blow student would have gotten suspended. Yeah, he's, right. <laughs> he might get some leeway. Yeah. He's getting a little more leeway in terms of what's happening. But yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and actually, to tell you the truth, I feel more, much more comfortable. We've now, hopped into college football uh, partly because of personnel but partly because nil they're getting paid now so i think they're more fair game than it was purity of sport i didn't feel as right about commenting on them but now they're getting paid it's less of a deal and uh uh etc anyways so that's our little hipaa primer (laughs) nothing to do with it um, jumping back to the ravens real quick uh that's a big injury situation we're watching wide receivers obviously uh Positive news for OBJ, full to go, full go at his first practice since tearing that uh, ACL again in the Super Bowl. Um, but Rashad Bateman is still recovering from his list. Frank, he got a cortisone shot that they said helps recovery. You kind of debunked that on Twitter a little bit, Doc. Well, maybe I, I mean, what's so funny is uh, I think the Scott Fishbowl fantasy draft is coming up sometime in the next month, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm part of the. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm part of the Fanta division. Anyways, I don't know. Whatever. We'll set it up for you. You I'll I'll just come in and try (laughs) and draft a little bit. But I've had some good luck, knock on wood, which means this year will be terrible for me. (laughs) My record's pretty good. Uh, You know, playoffs, buys, you know, winning, you know, basically the the, every year. But then don't go far because I don't, I'm not smart enough to draft 
a playoff strong team. I'm just drafting to to win games in the regular season. Oh, it's all about maintenance and picking up guys. Yeah, and, yeah. I don't do all yeah. that stuff. I, I, mean, <laughs> I don't I don't do all that stuff. But so in the regular season, I do pretty well. But then people say, well, because you know the injuries. I'm like, but we talk about and publish everything. We don't hold back. And to that end, we've been saying Odell Beckham's fine this year. We're optimistic about Odell Beckham. And the first and his sixth score is relatively high. And everyone's, oh, it's a second ACL. He didn't pass a physical to play in the playoffs. And that not like, well, he's passed one now. He's out there in OTA's first time. And I actually have high hopes for uh OBJ. And I, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, maybe Taylor does, but we we did take a future related to him, right? Yeah, five seventy-five point five was the receiving yards. He's, he's full go at minicamp and they're sending it at 575. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, uh, you know, obviously anything can happen. Yeah. And yep. uh, now that Lamar's in the fold and now Bateman, that would even push it up even more. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we do injury analysis, not injury reporting. Right. The reporters are very accurate. The reporter said what he was told by the coach or by somebody, he got a cortisone injection. Rashad Bateman has a list Frank injury, had at least the one surgery. Right. And then in November last November, year. And then had a cortisone injection before. And now right. is having another cortisone injection for reportedly to help him heal. Cortisone is a strong anti-inflammatory. Cortisone does not help you heal. PRP, stem cells, other things might help you heal. But there's no question if the inflammation is gone, it can make you feel better and heal in the generic sense, but it's not regeneration of tissue. Right. right. But we'll have to look at how Bateman does when he gets on the field here. But And this is part of a preseason injury preview. But I'll tell you right now, uh, it's June. So if an injury, and he's hurt in November. Yeah. So if an injury month is eight months old and he still needs cortisone, what are the chances he'll be free of everything in another month or two months? Yep. Look at the trajectory. Yeah, it's not you know, good. of of where he's at for a yeah. speed guy. Not the best in the world here for him. Sometimes there needs to be a second surgery to take out hardware on this, Frank. I haven't seen that report yet. Right. Maybe that's in the offing yeah. too. We'll, we'll see, but I'd be a little guarded. I mean, heads up, I have no idea what his future props is if it's up, but boy, I'd, head to head, I'd take Odell over over Bateman at this point in and time. They, they drafted um, a key um, a wideout from Boston College, Zay Flowers, like very high in the draft. So there's already, you know, movement that he could be falling down the depth chart already to start the season. So, like you said, yeah, hopefully you can overcome it. It's not the end of the world, but I would have my worries at this point in time on Bateman. Yep. Head over to MLB. Uh, you can get our latest coverage on insights. Uh, we're tracking that. Obviously, NBA is wrapped up. NFL is heating up, but MLB is still, still going strong. So we got their latest on Jordan Alvarez, Pete Alonzo, and uh want to talk well, to you about well, Aaron Judge, Doc. We'll, we'll talk basketball just for one quick second. Yeah. It's over. Look, something, you know, when, when they came out before the final game and said Tyler Hero wasn't playing, we're saying, what do you mean he's not playing? There has to be something more to this. Well, I don't know what. But no, it's not just pure healing of the bone. Right. And something was up, and I think still is. And then the report came out after we said that, that, oh, he's likely to play. Well, he suited up and he never played. But then when you guys showed me his uh, three-point shots warm, warm, warming yeah. up, I was like, yeah. 
he put up some clankers there. That's not a pure shooter. I was like, so some, and the tape was still pretty heavy. So I think he was medically cleared physically, but really precision three point shooter maybe wasn't there because I mean, a couple of those shots missed like I miss. I mean, when he was warming up, I mean, a pure shooter doesn't miss like that. I mean, I don't care if it's warm up five weeks off, not being able to take shots. Maybe it took more of a, or with toll, yeah, soft tissue or, soreness. Yeah. The bones healed enough, right? But, you know, there's other things, but the you know he didn't play, and uh, so mm-hmm. I just want to own up to. I thought he would, but obviously something kept him from from playing. But uh, all right, let's uh, just uh, Aaron Judge, uh, Stahl Heinbrenner talked recently, and you know any New York news about Aaron Judge is uh, liable to go go viral on Twitter. But uh, he was saying interesting thing. He likened Aaron Judge's injury to turf toe, and but said he. You know, if, if it was something like a grade one hamstring train or grade, grade two something, we could tell you the timeline. But with this, we can't tell you the timeline because we don't know the grade. So I, I, that, that didn't pass the smell test to me. I don't know. Well, isn't there grades uh, of turf toe? Yeah. Hal knows the grade. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think what he was saying, I mean, the medical staff know the grade. Right. Yeah. They've got good doctors. I know they're doctors. But maybe what he's saying is, in football, we get a lot of different turf toes so that we can project. He did say it was rare in baseball. So and that's baseball why. is more rare. So how do you project? Uh, I think this is a big deal, fellas. Um, initially, mm-hmm. I thought he just foot contusion because right. he stayed in the game, right? But I couldn't see what happened to his toe. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think it was hard enough to cause a fracture. But I could see where he would, on that step, sort of jammed it in a turf toe fashion. And if it is a turf toe, it's a sprain of the first MTP joint. And see, this is the analogy that you all laughed at me. Uh, I said, it's Sergeant Holka, the big toe. And you guys say, what are you talking about? Ask, ask Justin Herbert if he knows Sergeant Holka. I don't think he will either. He's so. younger than you guys are. But there was a famous line, go watch it. Sergeant Holka, you're the big toe. Uh, the big toe is the most important toe in the foot. But 50% of the push-off strength. And since I am now this tremendous baseball expert, <laughs> now look, uh, we do have some <laughs> baseball experience. I mean, uh, we've had some baseball guys at our site. Yeah, you, you got more through Davis than than through watching. That's for sure. So. Well, I mean, I covered. Look, covering a baseball game is not just look. Covering one football game is more than equivalent of covering 162 games in baseball yeah. in terms of injuries <laughs> Injury, right. there. And <laughs> so you'd have to cover baseball for decades to get the full experience, uh, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, like I've covered, I've been the game doc for the Cubs uh, day games when my attendings didn't want to go. I've manned spring training for the twins. No, I haven't had a turf toe injury uh, in a baseball player like this. But here's the thing. Everyone tells it's, it's his back foot by video. And if it's a back foot, that's your push-off power. That's the, as they tell the 10-year-olds, squash the bug side. And when you squash the bug, you're bending that toe up in right. an area to stress the turf toe. And that's how you get your power. Uh, and, well, Aaron Judge gets his power a lot of different ways. But that's yeah. one of the ways that he gets his power. So... I think this is potentially a bigger deal than 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 even we thought in the beginning, and we'll have to watch this. It's not a, a guarantee that ten days and he's good to go. Because if it was left foot, it'd be easier. Because if it's his right foot, you watch his left foot on a slow motion swing. You don't bend that toe up. 
you don't dorsiflex the toe, but you dorsiflex it a lot. You're on your big toe on the back foot to, quote, squash the bug behind. And okay. I think that may be an issue. And there's the PRP component that you, you told us. PRP always takes a while to kick in, at least two PR, weeks, right? At least two weeks. So um, at this point, he's not coming back right at 10 days. Yeah. The hope is he can avoid 60-day. That's where you're at. Uh, he's getting, not coming back at 10. Getting to the all-star break as a, as a marker for when guys can get back or not, because that's uh, July 7th, I think, that, that kicks off. So Jacob, I believe um, Jazz Chisholm, um, the star player from the Marlins, he's also dealing yeah. with a total injury. He's been out since May 13th, and they said four to six weeks on him as well, and he's not any close to coming back either. So. Different kind of player. He's Different a speed player. guy, but yeah. but it's not – it's not Jazz Chisholm's back foot. It's his. It's his lead leg. So, and I don't know that Aaron Judge would have been in the home run derby, but he's not now. <laughs> yeah, count him out. Count yeah. count Pete Alonso Pete out. Pete Alonso has this big, huge brace go. that goes yeah. above his elbow. There's a lot more yeah. to it there. I mean, yeah. this is not just something in his hand. That brace that we saw him in goes above his elbow. The principle is the joint above and below. So that means his injury is somewhere here not up here up here you could stop in the, the wrist in the so it went all the lower way to than his the wrist. elbow yeah. so it's you know so maybe radial ulnar joint i don't uh -huh. know it's a little lower than the elbow for him to be in that big brace and he also seems like you know stay away from 60 is the goal yeah uh, is, uh, but it's going to be a lot more than 10 two big boys in new york for out, out a healthy part of the season so yeah. we'll, we'll keep you updated with insights uh going to uh, piece of the week real quick. Should we give it to that Stanford pitcher through like 160 pitches? I figure it was 156. And he said he was available for a couple outs next day. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you who I'm not giving it to. And you guys were going to talk about the Miami Heat mascot. I'm not giving it to the Miami Don't Heat mascot. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I'm not giving it to the Miami <laughs> Heat mascot. Taking on Connor uh, McGregor. Call me jaded. I don't buy that for one second. First of all, looking at the video, I don't know how the the, the heat mascot's head is constructed, but it, I mean, the snout was out to here. It's I mean, gonna be a little padding. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see that. Did he hit his head on the ground? I, I don't know. I don't see that as anything significant. Right. And, and look, when I heard that, I'm jaded. I get it. Looking at the video, I was like, why would this guy go to the ER? My first thought was. He went to the ER just like that um, cameraman, right? Kansas yeah. City cameraman yeah. or equipment right. holder in Kansas City when Devontae Adams pushed him, right? I mean, yeah. it's a way to get paid, document what happened. Oh, I went to the ER kind of deal. And we saw the Devontae Adams push. It wasn't good that he pushed him, but it wasn't like with Was it ER. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to the ER yeah. for that unless yeah. there's something going on and i don't see this heat mascot going to the air for that but when you all told me it was all part of a promotion for some pain killing spray and he was spraying something on the mascot afterwards i was like this is just all a publicity stunt i don't buy that he needed to go to the er either the mascot was trying to get paid or this is all part of the publicity stunt because let me ask this question if the exact same thing happens but he doesn't go to the er do you get as much publicity on it? No. It would have been boom and done. Instead, you got multiple days of it. And so I don't buy for one second that he was actually hurt. But here's where HIPAA does apply. You'll never know what that guy's injury was <laughs> because yeah. the ER can't say. The only person who can say is the guy. Yeah. And he's not going to lie yeah. and, or, or not lie, continue the publicity. Right. 
um, et cetera. And just so say, nice that. You know, say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> not, not lying. <laughs> no, it's all, I think it's all. We're not making that the beastly. I mean, that's a publicity stunt. Yeah. I will give the Stanford pitcher 156 pitches. That's pretty darn good. 16 strikeouts. Yeah. That's very good. What do you think about that? I don't like it. I hate it. Scale of one to 10. 10. You hate it. 10, you love it. You know, either way. Minus yeah. 10, you hate it. Plus 10, you love it. Where are you on that? You're like minus, I'm minus 10. 10. I'm minus 10. Yeah. I don't Quinn like Quinn Matthews is the name, by the way. I'd look it up. But yes, yeah. I, I would love to play with a guy like that. That's, I mean, I don't know Stanford's bullpen configuration, but I mean, they made it past Texas on that, that weird little pop up. Yeah. To, to pitch that much and say you got some in you the next day, like he's, he's a, He's kind of a fringe prospect, I think, like just outside the hundred. So he's going to get drafted. But also, every pitcher goes through a Tommy John these days. So it's not a it's not a death knell for the college going to the World College World Series. So I don't know that I buy that. Burn, burn okay. out your tires, get some new ones. <laughs> I will tell you this: my son, or now, yeah. or my son in college, whatever. Yeah. If I heard one iota of the coach forcing the kid to do that at any level, right? Pros, minors, college, high school, travel ball, pony, little league. I would say that guy should be fired end mm -hmm. of discussion. Yeah. But before we go down that path, let's look at all the different circumstances. And I don't know where I ultimately stand on this, but Ultimately, it does seem like the player Quinn Quinn Matthews Matthews Quinn Matthews wanted it and was part of it. Now, do you let your that, that's kid drink the, coffee? That's the coach's job to get in the way. Yeah, the coach's job to put things manage in. that. Okay, <laughs> that's why you're the manager. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll get to what I'm saying here in a second. We've talked about before. Philip Rivers really wanted to play in that AFC Championship game. I said, no, you shouldn't play. It's not a good idea. You tore your ACL. You need surgery. Let's get... But I placated him and said, well, let's get the MRI, and then we'll see. Get the MRI. There's a flip meniscus. We've talked about it. So it's not HIPAA. We have permission. Uh, just saw Phil two weeks ago at Norv's thing. It was, was oh, kind of nice. cool. Um, we talked about it, too. Yeah, that's he's right. He's got another – got... yeah. Got to buy a second minivan or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's got kids that are driving, can drive now. So they're not yeah. all have to ride in dad's car, you know, <laughs> but they are expecting. Um, but anyways, he pleaded and said, why not? We ended up doing a scope. He played six days later. Is that normal? No. His thing to me is, look, he's not a mobile quarterback. We can control long-term damage with a brace. He won't be a hundred percent. And his thing was, I may never get a chance to play for the Super Bowl again. Let's do this as long. I said, well, as long as we're not doing long-term damage and we cut some compromises. That's edgy. I will grant you. If the kid had pain at 100 pitches and you pitched in the 156, horrible. Right. And yeah. I don't buy that, you know, blow out your Tommy John. And, but here's <laughs> the thing. Could I see a scenario where if I was the Stanford team doctor and I would not criticize that i could see the scenario what's that scenario i can see a lot of scenarios where i'd be very critical of that and the manager needs to know better and this that the other 
Right. But some people, I mean, is he a power pitcher? I don't know. That, I mean, I mean that look, back in my day, do you guys know who Mike Marshall is? Doesn't ring a bell. Really? Sorry. Google oh, Mike Marshall. Okay. That guy pitched like nonstop for the Dodgers. And he even has a way of pitching where he says, you don't need a four and five day rest if you pitch my way and what have you. And he pitched all the time. I grew up in LA. Mike Marshall, like, there's a whole school of thought behind him where right. you throw a certain way, you don't stress your own collateral and you don't have this. What type of pitcher, et cetera. Also, I mean, this kid goes to Stanford. He's at best a very low, low pick. This might be his Super Bowl. I mean, in his mind, look, I'm going to grad school. I'm not going to single A ball in Tuscaloosa. I'm going to grad school after this. I've got other things in my life. I don't know. And mm -hmm. this may be the pinnacle for him. And he wants to help his team and this, that, the other. Look, at, he has to be driving it for me to sign off on it. Yeah. And there has to be no medical issues or risk, certainly, of permanent damage. I mean, if he says, if I blow out my arm and need a Tommy John, it's fine. I'm not pitching ever again anyways. I'm going, eh, you know, I still would counsel him and this, that, yeah. that. Before I condemn this and say minus 10. And I can yeah. see a lot of times where I could say minus 10. But I'm not calling for the firing of the head coach at Stanford until we know all the other circumstances. And obviously, right. whether it was for publicity or it's true, he says, I could have pitched again. You know, so yeah, yeah I, I think you'd love to have him as a teammate. Should the should the manager, the 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 adult in the room, stopped him? Well, technically he is an adult, right? Right. But also, should he have stopped him? Maybe, but depends on the circumstances. So I'm yeah. not ready. I don't like it. I would never universally embrace embrace that with carte blanche. But until you know all the factors that went into it, I don't know that I'm ready to condemn it. How's mm -hmm. that? So I have a range. It could be minus 10. I hate it. Yeah. It could be plus five. Yeah. I mean, I, I would never be at plus 10. I love it. It could be, I can imagine a scenario that something that a reasonable adult looking out for kids or his players could sign off on. But all those things have to fall into place. So it's a big range. Yeah. Condemn it to maybe it's okay. So that's kind of where I stand. But we'll give him the beast of the week, 156 pitches. Yeah. I might have to give the Mike Marshall, a uh, longtime reliever, pitched 14 years, pitched till he's 38. Uh, 1974 appeared in 106 games as a reliever. That's unheard of. <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. And, 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 and those days, a reliever didn't just pitch three outs in the ninth. Right. Literally, he pitched the seventh, eighth, ninth. Yeah. He always pitched the eighth, ninth. But a lot of times it was the seventh, eighth, ninth. And 106, 106 games, times, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why uh, a lot of different things. All right, guys. Um, anything else? Uh, oh, you got your A's jersey on. You think that reverse boycott's going to work? No, but it was, it was a nice show support. You it was know? a try. It was a good try. I don't know. I got a lot of opinions, but MLB just can't. I mean, it's so egregious now that they're, they're doing that. They're showing up on national television with sell shirts, and then they're still going to try to pull this Vegas deal on the back end and get money from the city. Like, what? Just when does that ever benefit taxpayers? But oh, look at you! Yeah, yeah. I see your protest with the A shirt on. I mean, the owner probably should say, "I'll tell you what, you sell out 
with season tickets the rest of the season going next year and I'll sell the team or not move it. <laughs> yeah. And it'll never happen. <laughs> no. Yeah. Challenge. I like the challenge. Yeah. And then, uh, but like the reverse boycott, but is he donating the money or he said he's donating? Oh, the team. Yeah. The team said they're donating the proceeds to two charities, but everyone's seen through that. So it's just a game. Yeah. It's whatever. They, they make so much money off the, off the uh, share bargaining agreement. Anyways, it's not about attendance for baseball. It's about the TV money. As long as it's not with Bally's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're not signed up with Bally's. Still, MLB's fronting that money because they make so much TV money. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I would like, well, the only way that you truly can get teams not to move is the Green Bay Packer model. Well, even yeah. then, the shares are not really yeah, yeah. owned by the fans on the team, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, that's not yeah. really real. It's a yeah. certificate. Yeah. Um, Anyways, all right. So, uh, beast of the week, the Stanford pitcher, and uh, thank you to Marcellus Wiley for joining us. High injury as always. Football's and here, right? Football is here. Look, I'm. You guys are doing a lot of work right now. I'm waiting for it to be handed over all the preseason reports for editing and lists. The work is started. We need, we need video, so anyone that has it, send it in. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, what we're waiting on. Undercover. <laughs> Baseball and preseason injury preview. Those are the two. The two yes. big things that uh, we are cool. working on here, heading into fantasy drafts, exciting season here. All right, that'll be it for this week, Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast, and uh, see you over the website and or the newsletter. Sign up for the newsletter, it's free. Um, and those uh, f- sleeper, uh, free money for sleeper and underdog. Yep, first-time users. First-time users. $100 deposit match. So Yeah, and, and uh, there'll advantage. be some. Uh, that's the thing that was interesting to me that I didn't realize so recently that this was legal in California, our state that doesn't yeah. allow gambling. It's legal in Texas. It's legal in Florida. It's legal in a lot of states, basically mm-hmm. prop parlay picks. So uh, check it out. We'll have an article pretty much every day on it, uh, trying to explain to people how to use it and what to do with it. And uh, we dropped off a little bit there on the basketball, but 50% on prop parlays is pretty good. So. Yeah. <laughs> Now look, that will, looking forward to some football numbers. So uh, football and a few baseball in between too. All right, thanks for watching, and uh, we'll see you again next week.